What's up, QAA listeners? The fun games have begun. I found a way to connect to the internet. I'm sorry, boy. Welcome, listener, to the 88th chapter of the QAnon Anonymous Podcast, the Red Pill Video Games episode. As always, we are your hosts, Jake Rokotansky, Julian Fields, Lucy Valentine, and Travis View. Video gaming. Webster's Dictionary defines it as a delectable hobby, but to many, it's a way more serious matter. And to those who toil endless hours behind a computer screen, like Neo or game developers, there is often an urge for something more. You can't explain it, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life, that there's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there, like a splinter in your mind, driving you mad. And sometimes you let that feeling, fed by some nice Googling and a bit of listening to Alex Jones, guide your design decisions. Now, this week, we're talking about red-pilled video games with our friend Lucy Valentine, who also happens to be a gamer, writer, and Australian living in the United States. Now, you may know her as a co-host on the Bunta Vista podcast or from one of her many, many rude tweets. But either way, it is time to welcome her to the podcast. How are you doing, Lucy? Hello. Thank you for having me back. Um, In answer to your question, how I'm doing... Uh, it's a broad, complex question to be asking. I've been in my apartment for <laughs> the better part of a month, so I will say that I'm physically alive. I think that's a fair that's a fair way to describe it. That is just so good to hear, uh, and it's good that you know you're in a good mood because we have a big announcement, of course, which is that we finally found our connection down under the oh. mate of our gate, uh, our new Australian correspondent, Lucy Valentine. So welcome, welcome Lucy. The crowd, as you can hear, the crowd is absolutely going completely wild. So dear listener, you can expect Lucy to bring you Australia zones in the near future because QAA has officially declared it the most red-pilled country after the United States, Uh, but not before we fritter this episode away talking about red pills and video games. Uh, Lucy, I believe you wanted to kick this shit off. Uh, I do. I first want to ban any form of uh, attempts at an Australian accent in the future. It's off the table. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah, is that is that shit? Uh, oh, man, that's gonna well, be before I'm gonna I'm gonna have to direct you to a couple <laughs> a couple of sentences in my writer. Uh, <laughs> if, if if we ever want to write Mel Gibson back into a story, we're gonna have to have Andrew back on the podcast right. again, I guess, to call uh, uh to call Jake, I believe, uh, uh Jew bastard. <laughs> well, the problem is, is I have some New Ze- friends from New Zealand, and so I often confuse the accents, which is like uh, incredibly offensive uh, from what I understand. <laughs> you always do. you people. We'll always do this. <laughs> you people, see, already we uh, we're having some anti-American discourse. Quality Australian <laughs> racism. That's right. <laughs> Anyways, uh, as devout followers of the Red Pill lifestyle, which no doubt all of you are, uh, you might find yourself logging onto your favorite website, which is Reddit.com, and asking the question: Is it possible to be red pilled and be a gamer at the same time? <laughs> well, luckily, some guy on Reddit has the answer to what ails you. I understand the Western culture is entertainment dreamland. Thousands of channels, movies, video games, fiction books, both sci-fi and non-sci-fi, are a few of the many ways we can sit around and rot our brains to our heart's content. Having grown up playing video games, I learned programming because my dream was to make a few indie game hits. As I grew older before the red pill, I realized how much time my other friends were spending playing games. I got bored with them. (laughs) 
<laughs> I found the blade. A new title was just another 60 plus hours of my life gone and nothing for me to show in my own life. After the show Lost started getting weird without any answers explained. <laughs> what the fuck Dharma was doing? I stopped watching. <laughs> this guy thinks like like the specific shows he watches are like an ecosystem that like the, the weather kind of like changes. Oh, he, got pilled. In. he got pilled oh, in real life off of it. Lost's um, sort of ambling storyline. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, after Charlie died and there was no explanation as to why <laughs> as to why his, his good nature was not rewarded, I began to listen to Jordan oh Peterson. <laughs> I stopped watching TV. I occasionally see the movies. If I like a movie, I'll buy it. I stopped buying video games. I had a Wii U and sold it because I only really played it for Smash Brothers to bring company over to my house. <laughs> Red Pillars suggests cutting out fiction. I bought non-fiction books and those that borderline on entertainment like Assholes Finish First by Tucker Max. Oh my goodness. I'd be lying to you if I said I didn't miss my Star Wars sci-fi books or series like Harry Potter. Good thing I read those before the red pill, I think to myself now. The idea here is you want to get rid of fiction. That that mm. is healthy to get rid of the part of your life that involves the imagination. Like you need to stop imagining to become more based, basically. Yes. And like, thanks for fucking reminding me about Tucker Max. I'd completely forgotten about that guy. Same. He's like the original. Completely. He's like the original Jordan Peterson, but like the fuckboy version. But imagine, imagine being on the cusp of never again taking in any work of fiction, any art, anything, all of that beauty, all those tears, etc. Lost in rain, uh, th that whole speech. And 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 you you look back, and the things that you're like, God, these are the things I wish I could take with me are Star Wars sci-fi books or series like Harry Potter. Harry Potter. That that's what this guy is like. I'll miss goodbye, culture. That's right. <laughs> well, here he is after swallowing the pill. Three or four months in, and I still find myself so distant from everyone than I've ever been in my life. I think the red pill accelerated that. I'm still in the anger phase. <laughs> oh. In the middle of making drastic changes in my life, even meditation only brought temporary alignment with reality, and I felt synced up with my old mind and body. I bought Knights of the Old Republic 2, a game I loved playing when I was 12 and 13. Is this me? Is he me? Did I write this? <laughs> Maybe. After knocking out a few items on my to-do list, I've been playing for a few hours before bed. I play a little in the morning too, but everything in between is filled with something I need to do, enjoying the outdoors while the sun is out, briefly talking to others, and yada yada. This game has brought back a lot of memories and positive feelings that I haven't felt like since the anger phase began. Whew. Through those positive feelings, I remembered what it was like to socialize and game women without a care. What? I didn't know the game terms at the time. I just did what felt natural to me. Oh, yeah, he's a gamer. Even though I was blue pill, I still did these things. Uh, uh, huh? <laughs> Even know. though I was blue pilled, I was already like totally hitting on chicks and it was working like totally well. I didn't need to be red pilled on that side. I was already cool. It was natural to me. Wait, I didn't even know about it, the game. It was just natural to was me. Was he like, is he, I'm trying to follow the logic. Is he saying that because he got back into um, the Star Wars uh, RPGs, 
that he realized that he was good at using uh, what he believed was like I don't know like telepathy to manipulate women <laughs> like like what <laughs> no, is he talking yeah, about because he's like he's like he goes yeah. through those positive feelings these are the positive feelings that he got from playing Knights of the Old Republic one and two yeah. <laughs> yes a good game two good Bo- games both like hundred twenty hour games by the way so you spend four hundred and sixty yeah. hours. In both in the Star Wars single player universe, and then he said, "I remembered what it was like to socialize and game women without a care." Maybe the dialogue (laughs) options that he got in the Old Republic helped him him realize that that maybe he had a couple extra points in charisma that he didn't he didn't know that he had before. This humanoid cephalopod is reminding me women exist. Oh my god. Well, he does have a conclusion. I don't think red pillars need to take red pill commands so strictly. Like religion, following it strictly chokes the humanity out of a person. I think it's more of a guide. Entertainment shouldn't be a vice, but if I pick up a game, whether it's single player or multiplayer, or await my religious viewings <laughs> of the newest South Park season, I'm enjoying my life. There's enough stress in the red pill transition and from life in general to be hanging ourselves from the belt of the rules. Dude, uh, that's amazing. He basically was like, uh, haram, what me worry? (laughs) (laughs) QAnon News. First up, I have a QAnon movie, Out of Shadows, goes viral. On April 10th, the uh, QAnon movie, Out of Shadows, was posted on YouTube, and it is doing gangbusters. Uh, It has over 8 million YouTube views as of this recording. The film tells the story of how a veteran Hollywood stunt actor Mike Smith became red-pilled after suffering a career-hampering lower back injury. Now, does he come to believe that Hollywood is all CIA-controlled satanic propaganda because he witnessed it himself after working decades at the heights of the film industry? No. As he explains in this clip from the film, it actually happened because he got a Twitter account and read a lot of posts. So I first, I got off of social media and I made an anonymous account. I started reading blogs, looking at articles. I started reading books. I started watching videos online. I just started searching for the truth and I was finding accounts that were searching for the truth themselves. They weren't mainstream accounts. These were accounts online that I felt like were like me. They were just looking for what the truth was. I didn't believe I was getting the truth from CNN, MSNBC, Fox. I didn't believe any of them. I just wanted to read it, absorb it, and digest it, and trust what my gut told me I was reading. We're going to take a a deeper dive into Out of Shadows on the premium episode this week, but it is definitely the most well-produced, slickest bit of QAnon propaganda to date. Next up, Daddy has given me the wheel uh, to bring you a story about Education for Libs, a.k.a. Dylan Wheeler. Flashback. 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 Can you say hi to the QAA listeners? What's up, QAA listeners? How's it going? This is Educating Liberals. Welcome to the show. (laughs) Education for Libs has learned from QAA and gone the way of the podcast. He's teamed up with his friend, the Q-Marine, that we heard speak at the Florida Red Pill Roadshow QAnon rally. Flashback. 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 My my biggest uh, piece of advice is just Start off with your inner circles, your friends and family. That's the biggest one because you guys already have a relationship of trust and you don't have to just drop an entire, you know, one five five round of a big pill down someone's throat. Just lead them into it a little bit, you know? 
What is QAnon? Well, it's just a back channel to get around fake news. Just start with that. You don't got to bring up adrenochrome. You, you don't got to bring up all this crazy stuff that, you know, we know is fact, but these people, they don't, they never heard anything like this. You know what I mean? They don't understand the, the real backstory between Hollywood and these movies and what they project to us and what they actually do. They tell us and we eat it up, or at least we did. Not anymore. They already have a few episodes up, and here's the description. Go ahead, Jake. Pepe's Corner by... Educating Libs slash QAnon Obi-Wan. Educating liberals and QAnon Obi-Wan join forces to create a weekly podcast that discusses Q. Hashtag where we go one, we go all. So the clips you're about to hear compiled were dug up by our friend at 7th Degree UK, who has previously written about educating liberals on his blog, the7thdegree.net, which he swears he'll start updating again after COVID. So... I actually begin this montage with the real cold opening of episode two. Like, this is how it just begins, how the file opens, just so you get a feel for the production <laughs> values. And then I kind of, and then I fast forward you to bits that uh, seventh, seventh Degree has found for us. Very good. Yeah. I mean, I'm uh, not going to, I'm not going to, oh, okay. There you are. Yeah. I'm not going to put video to this because it's just going on the podcast. Oh, oh okay. Cool. No so problem. I'm, all I do is I take the video and then I convert it to MP3. And then I throw it on a website called anchor.fm and then it automatically distributes it to like eight different platforms. (laughs) So, dude, yeah, like I'm just figuring this shit out as we go. It's it's fun. Dude, I never thought, honestly, like (laughs) when I first started getting involved in this shit, I never thought that this is where we would be right now. It's so much fun. It really is. It is every day we're watching the world turn. Alex Jones actually did help red pill me in the beginning. Oh, he's got a job, yeah. This is how you do it, though. You speak 95% truth with right. 5% disinformation. It doesn't mean you can't learn from that. I've learned from people who <laughs> I no longer speak to today because I don't trust them. But it still led me to the point I'm at today. So exactly. I be careful I, with that. But ultimately, Alex Jones, InfoWars, Owen Schroyer, bunch of clowns, shills, never <laughs> trust them again, ever. Uh, the only two stories Alex Jones got right was uh, was Elephantis, Comet Ping Pong, and PP, you know, P-Gate, and the Sandy Hook video. No, he backed down. And, and he apologized for both. Like, I don't think they get just how much of a real spy movie this all is. And it's the best movie even... on Earth, and that's why I don't watch movies. I don't have t- time. I'm literally consumed in this, in the real-life battle right now. It's amazing to be part of, actually. It's fun. So, it's fun. It's an and honor, and... I'm not going to give up the fight, man, until Satan himself is thrown back in the pits. You know, I was just waking up. So a lot of people go back to the beginning when, you know, I had an old Twitter account. And I had just started getting into politics. And I was like, I was pretty much like, F capitalism. I didn't know what was going on, but I knew I was right. pissed off. And I knew that there was injustice in the world. I knew a lot of rich people had all the money, which right. is still true today, obviously, right. with the Rothschilds. And you go to the top, even though... Watch us in a few more months or years, and we'll see what right. happens. <laughs> so, oh my God, incredible, incredible! Isn't it just the most delectable uh, of content? <laughs> oh, I want to listen to like the whole show. I was half expecting him to be like, "Oh yeah, my password is appersand one two four. just like read it fucking live on air. <laughs> oh, oh, dude, it's easy. I just, dude, they're not even recording. There, he's taking a video of himself, then transferring that into. He's yes. like, oh. Dude, no, the best way to get sound, first you shoot a video, then you turn it into an MP3. Yeah. That's the best way. It's amazing. He opens his second episode, so he's already like 
like I guess listen listen to the first and and he knows like what the result of what that like <laughs> what he does is, but he still manages to open it open it by just explaining how podcast distribution works if if you're trying to use like your phone I guess and to you record. can hear his you can hear the marine like in the background be like ah he's God, like fuck ah. fuck it's, it's fuck, like it's, it's fuck. like the videos are <laughs> yeah. probably like blipping yeah, yeah, yeah. in and out like yeah. you can't see him. Well, well, they're both work- they're both working on their object oh permanence. So, like, listen, D- Dylan, I'm not trying to make fun of you. Um, well, actually, that's not true. I- I'm trying to make fun of you, but I know podcasting is hard. So, from the whole team over at QAA, best wishes and good luck. If you want, if, if you want your intro back, we can give you a little snippet of our intro that contains a, a better intro than you have for your own show. So, uh, you can you can contact uh, Julian at QAnon Anonymous on Twitter. I could actually see the thing that finally brings Jake down being the fact that he agreed uh, with Education for Libs to read Pepe's Corner and and then that gets integrated into their theme song. (laughs) For my last and bleakest story, I have a poll reveals that three in 10 Americans believe that coronavirus was made in a lab. So a uh, Pew Research poll released earlier this month reveals that three in 10 Americans believe that the novel coronavirus was constructed in the map, even though it was not constructed in the lab. All of the genomic evidence suggests that it's the product of evolution in nature, like we talked about in the coronavirus conspiracy theories episode. So for the survey... um, Travis, I like this because th- these kind of segments they turn you into like Neil deGrasse Tyson, like or Richard <laughs> Dawkins. Like you, you get furious, you know, and you start to say stuff like "It wasn't made in a lab." Like you know, you're just trying to just state the truth over and over in a more and more manic fashion, as if it will combat the forces of, of stupidity that every single fucking poll tells you exist in America and will not change. I bet peace with that. <laughs> I don't think. Uh, <laughs> so uh for for this survey uh 8914 US adults were polled from March 10th to the 16th in 2020 and according to that data 23% of Americans believe that the coronavirus was developed intentionally in a lab and another 6% say that it was made <laughs> accidentally in a lab what <laughs> How? Mm-hmm. I don't I, They didn't ask any details. That 6% has the most interesting oh, story, dude. though. <laughs> <laughs> just, just a freak mutant virus. They think that somebody like like one of the, you know, ha- scientists in like a hazmat suit like s- slipped on a banana peel and like fell on, <laughs> like fell on their back like in the in the lab and somehow like corona like COVID-19 was formed. No, no, no. That 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 six percent is the percent that developed it intentionally in a lab and wants to pretend it's unintentional so they can patent it and get a lot of money. So it's all you know what you know. You know what I bet? You know what I bet? I'll bet that 6% read the question incorrectly. <laughs> and and they what they really believe is that it accidentally got out of the yeah. lab. Not that it was like intentionally mm-hmm. released, yeah. but the that real, it, it was yeah, accidentally got out of the lab. I'll bet they didn't read the prompt uh, 100% correctly. That's a good point. I swear to fucking God, they, they make these polls way too intelligent. At this point, if you poll Americans on this kind of shit, you need to add questions like, 
was Dustin Hoffman involved in the like creation of the coronavirus? <laughs> I swear to God, you'll get very high percent. And then you'll realize that you're asking the wrong questions. My favorite thing about this is that uh, less than half of Americans, 43%, believe the empirically verifiable fact <laughs> that the novel coronavirus originated in nature. The remainder just aren't sure. Yeah. Wow. In- including me, Travis. Your case, your case is w- is weak. You know, try try to make an episode about it. Maybe I'll put some music to it. It'll convince me. I'll do my best. I'll do my best to pill you on science. <laughs> <laughs> Red pill video games. Deus X. So uh, I want to talk about one of my favorite uh, games from when I was younger, and uh, it's, it's one of the most red-pilled games of all time, but, but looking back, it's actually really, really black-pilled about conspiracy theories. So um, Deus Ex, it takes place in this in the cyberpunk future in 2052, in which the world is destabilized by a global pandemic known as the Grey Death. Um, in the game, you play J.C. Denton, a cybernetically enhanced agent for the United Nations Anti-Terrorist Coalition. In the game, you discover that the organization that you work for is merely a corrupt puppet for a worldwide conspiracy. And if you're the type who likes going down rabbit holes and like you know, uncovering layers and layers of conspiracy, it's a fantastic game. As you start to get close to the conspiracy, you're imprisoned by the secret government organization called Majestic 12. Originally, it had been clandestinely uh, controlled by the ancient secret society, the Illuminati, but it was recently wrested from their power by Bob Page, who was the wealthiest man in the world in the game world. Whoa, wait, Donald wait, wait a Trump. Second. <laughs> wait, the Majestic 12 thing, that's a real conspiracy thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, that is a real conspiracy of a... So, yeah. so they, they built in, like, Illuminati and Majestic 12 knowing full well that uh, i mean yes of course of course and the the the, the final uh uh i guess level of the game it takes place in area 51 is is a is, we go, well, is really familiar with uh, i guess conspiracy theory lore yeah mm. i tried to play the original a bunch of times on my pc but i couldn't find enough graphical mods to make it look <laughs> yes. good enough for me to like yeah. wanna sort of stick Same, it out. Same, I came too late and I knew it was like this seminal video game and like Travis uh, picking it made me very happy because it is like a classic video game, supposed to be one of the best video games ever made. Yeah. Uh, but I did not know that it was fucking that red-pilled because I couldn't get through the polygons when I came to it like way later. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was cutting edge in 2000, let me tell you. Oh, yeah. So near the end of the game, you put all the pieces together. Spoiler alert. So Bob Page first eliminated the other ruling members of the Illuminati, then created the Grey Death Virus, then controlled its cure, all in a devious plot to achieve world domination. Okay. So what I love about this game is like even even secret societies have like internal politics where people are sort of wrestling for power. Yeah, I mean, look at QAnon. You know, the very secret uh, YouTube uh, empire. I mean, they're all fighting. Right. The game has three different endings, depending upon your choices. So first, you have the option of blowing up the world's central communications hub. And this would cut off the stream of media everywhere. Because basically, (laughs) media is all digital in this world. Yeah. So this would force people to live a more primitive existence, but it would destroy the Illuminati's control on the world. Whoa. We're going to eliminate global communications altogether. I don't know. Sounds like overkill. 
As long as technology has a global reach, someone will have the world in the palm of his hand. If not Bob Page, then Everett, Dowd. Another Stone Age would hardly be an improvement. Not so drastic. A Dark Age, an age of city-states, craftsmen, government on a scale comprehensible to its citizens. Now think about it. A government comprehensible to its citizens. It's like people are so dumb that the world is so is, is too complex for them. We need to cut off all media. <laughs> I love this stuff. We will go back to passing stories down orally as was the tradition for hundreds of years. <laughs> we will do the 69, but without also having the television on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the second ending is that you can merge with an omniscient intelligence called Helios. So this is an okay. AI that's yeah. wired to the world via Area 51's global communications hub. And Helios uh, controls and hears everything connected and hears everything everyone says. So essentially, you would become like the world's di digital omniscient ruler. Wait, so you would like you would merge with Prism? It, like in the real world equivalent. Yes, yes, you would. Yes, exactly. You would merge with Prism. So you would. You would become one with all the front facing cameras of every like user good in, in every part of the world and see all those feeds all at once in your brain. Yes. And you but you keep your human mind. That is, that is correct. That's you would instantly go mad. Yeah, I mean, I don't. You would become you would become Akira. Possibly. So there's <laughs> actually there's one C in the game where J.C. Denton makes a flailing defense of human democracy. In a society with democratic institutions, the struggle for power can be peaceful and constructive, a competition of ideologies. We just need to put our institutions back in order. The checks and balances of democratic governments were invented because human beings themselves realize how unfit they were to govern themselves. They needed a system, yes, an industrial age machine. Human beings may not be perfect, but a computer program with language synthesis is hardly the answer to the world's problems. Wow. Wow. Um, I'm going to have to, like, lay over some voice to that computer voice because it is so deformed that I did not understand at all okay. what it was saying. So, yeah, he says, uh, Helios says, the uh, evil omniscient AI says, the checks and balances of democratic governments were invented because human beings themselves realized that they were unfit to govern themselves. They needed a system. Yes, a uh, industrial age machine. I mean, the argument is, mm, the argument is basic, basically is like, it's like government, governments is, yeah, it's just, it's just a system that tells people what to do and sort of a, in all, a, a ruling AI yeah. is no different than that. It's better even, you would argue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like, it's like, it's like, I see that you have made rules. Rules are the first robot with a gun. <laughs> that, that's basically it yeah that ai is not is no good you cannot trust that ai is my that's my take <laughs> and uh thirdly you have the option of killing bob page the, the richest man in the world thus restoring the illuminati to power in the game you then join the illuminati and become the hidden hand that controls the world spare helios the power station they can be made to service us you and me jc will rule the world in secret with an invisible hand, the way the Illuminati have always ruled. Don't you think it's time we end the tyranny for everyone? There's such a thing as a compassionate conspiracy. Wow. Wow. Oh, dude. That's our podcast slogan, man. Yes. Compassionate conspiracy. Compassionate conspiracies brought to you by QAnon Anonymous. <laughs> 
love about this game is that you spend the the entire time like getting to the bottom of this conspiracy, and it's a long game. And then once you like get to the end, and you've you've solved the riddle, your options are to destroy everything, become a digital dictator, or just join the conspiracy. Like it has it has like, <laughs> I mean that's all that's the only options you have at that point. Hey Travis, I, I mean I don't want to bust your balls or anything, but did you see uh, what happened to Bernie Sanders? That was the fourth option. <laughs> There, I think there's like this idea, especially in QAnon, there's ideas like if you solve the conspiracy, if you figure out the players and you figure out how everything works, then <laughs> you can make the world better instantly. Imagine if in the Matrix was given like an invitation to the VIP cabals, like adrenochrome room and given all that power. He would take it in like a mm-hmm. second. <laughs> oh. All of those fucking QAnon people are the guy who sell out the, the Matrix for stake. Yeah. Fucking A, man. Yeah, they would they would all take the join the Illuminati option. For a fucking, in a fucking second, they are disgusting. Well, then, uh, Julian, I got to ask you, which one of these do you think you would pick? Uh, yeah, whatever the one, the one, the, like, uh, the, uh, the destroy everything, like not join the Illuminati. Like destroy all media. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring human beings back to just having to enjoy themselves by sucking each other off and, uh, mm. and destroy the, in the process, the entire world order. Yeah, totally. I think that's probably what I'd pick as well. Maybe you play a Pixies <laughs> song. Maybe Brad Pitt is there. That'd be, that'd be more <laughs> stylish. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'd pick too. About you, Lucy. Sure, whichever seems uh, the most <laughs> morally right option, I'll pick that one. <laughs> I don't even think it's morally right. Yeah. I just, I just want them all to fucking burn. I want to burn the system. That's the thing, and is, I do like the idea that we don't get our Game Boys anymore. There is no morally right option. They're all horrible, and disastrous for different reasons. I guess you can just straight up join the Illuminati. Then just go all in, sell out. Why not? I'll bet their upload speeds are in the billions. <laughs> <laughs> you could you could record as many podcasts as you'd like. This is Lucy Valentine, like on record. She's like, you know, uh, oh, I would do the morally upright one, and then asked uh, for, for like pressed pressed for two seconds. Oh, oh, I would actually join the Illuminati. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, Julian. When you said that, like they would take our Game Boys away, like I had serious second thoughts. <laughs> like, what am I? What am I without a digital representation of myself on yeah. a small screen? Well, I also take I took into account that I uh, looked like the guy who's the protagonist in the game. So <laughs> yeah, I kind Can of you, I, I think I would off myself at the end of it all too. Like, what if that guy did like accept like the all like the all seeing power? Can you imagine having like a pharaoh king named J C? <laughs> like that name is like reserved for like fucking water polo players and like right. uh and like uh talent managers <laughs> yeah that, that would be amazing if our if our like king had like a fucking black leather trench coat and oakley's yeah and they're like and they're like all hail jc and like one of the peasants is like what does jc stand for and they're like jason <laughs> 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 you literally described every uh, uh, religion founded in America, though. Ark Survival Evolved. When Julian tasked me with uh, trying to think of a, a game that was most red pilled, I, I mean, I could have done like a write up on like all 10 Splinter Cell games, but I felt like that was, that'd be kind of boring. 
But I did immediately think of about a real life story from my own life that involved a man who went down basically a QAnon equivalent rabbit hole in a game called Ark Survival Evolved. Now, for those who are unfamiliar, this is a game where you start naked on a beach on an island that's filled with dinosaurs and other naked human beings who are trying to kill you. You basically, you know, craft axes and hit trees and hit rocks and you can build huts that get stronger. I mean, you you know the type. It's it's a basic, uh, you know, sort of survival crafting game. And you can tame dinosaurs, so people like it for that. Yeah, you can tame dinosaurs and you can be ruthless to one another. You can imprison other players. You can execute them. You can keep them in cages and you know, feed them so yeah. they don't die. I mean, it's 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 really uh, all the stuff that you love in your games. Yeah, it's a it's very much a, a as much of a human sort of like psychology <laughs> experiment as it is a video game uh and i think that yeah. uh i think that this this quote uh by victor frankel um in his book man's search for meaning sort of sums up the essence of the story that i'm about to tell it goes but there was no need to be ashamed of tears for tears bore witness that a man had the greatest of courage the courage to suffer my foray into arc survival evolved began like most of my other pc endeavors unoptimized and incredibly disappointing. The Republic of Gamers laptop sporting a GTX 660M that once brought me optimal joy had dwindled in competence over the last couple years as graphical demands reached new highs and my banking account unprecedented lows. <laughs> you can imagine my excitement then when I discovered that an Xbox One port of the dinocentric survival game was rapidly approaching an early access release date. But as it happens, this story isn't about me. It is the story of one man's descent into madness, a once noble king dethroned. In an effort to protect his real identity, <laughs> we'll call him Moses. I first told Moses about Ark about a month before the game's release. We had grown tired of yelling at one another while playing Destiny, the Taken King, and all my other gamer friends, grown men, ages 27 to 48, were chomping at the bit for a new shared world experience. A survival title like Ark piqued their interest, as many of them are what some might call casuals, daring not dip their toes in the liquid-cooled PC waters. I spent a whole month overselling the game in hopes that when it dropped I would finally have friends to play with. Believe this, Ark is not a game meant to be played alone. You can, but it would be the equivalent of jerry-rigging a Dead Rising-style bladed contraption and attempting to use it as a stool. The tiniest mosquito can prove to be an unbeatable foe when the only weapon at your disposal is a piddling handful of twigs. On the night of its release, as the digital clock on my cable box struck 9pm, we entered into a sacred pact with Ark Survival Evolved, swearing to it our undying allegiance and dozens of hours of our adult lives. We were excited, we were impatient, and most of all, we were happy. Moses, a man whose download speeds are not to be trifled with, was one of the first to enter the game. <laughs> eh, kind of underwhelmed. He typed into the dark abyss that was our group chat. Graphics are terrible, dying a lot. Worried that the learning curve might be too steep for my other friends, I scrambled to utter reassurances that everything would make sense once we had all joined forces. If I wanted any chance in hell at riding a velociraptor into glorious battle, I had to, cl <laughs> I had to lead my clan straight and true. Stay on the beach, I typed. We'll craft a fire and use it as a beacon to find one another. 
As I said this, my bald, hulking caveman, who I of course named Jack Reacher, was just gaining consciousness on a small beach strip. Over the course of one hour, one by one, each of our friends found their way to a small thatch hut. A warm fire crackled on the sand outside. We need more thatch, Moses remarked, quickly assuming a leadership role within the tribe. His earlier concerns about the game's graphics seemed to have completely vanished. There's a guy named Throbin Williams. He's building his hut just up the river. I don't like it one bit, he said, as his character placed a sturdy roof over our heads. We all, ag <laughs> we all agreed that if we wanted any chance at surviving the night, we would have to assign chores to keep our efficiency at a competitive level. That's how families did it, and that's what we were now, a family. And so we communicated. We watched out for one another. And most of all, we were happy. Right up until the point a character named Grognak the Barbarian demolished our meager thatch wall and slaughtered us all in a matter of seconds. <laughs> the prospect of respawning without a shred of worldly possessions left most of us with a heavy heart. But not Moses. No. He was determined to find a better base location craft more efficient weapons, and establish a steady supply of resources so as to attain something even greater. Steel pikes. The base grew alongside our morale. Our humble tribe worked happily and peacefully together, and things were good. We befriended a group of French people who had a similar-sized base established in the resource-rich vicinity. Our mutual hatred of Throbin Williams and his band of rapists and murderers brought us together. <laughs> Significant milestones were achieved. Our first steel tools our first set of leather armor, our first rideable dinosaur. In an ultimate twist of irony, over the weeks, I had grown to become one of the more casual presences on Ark's Island. A quote-unquote real-life relationship had gradually taken precedence over the concerns of our Ark tribe, and I was finding it difficult to explain to my girlfriend that I couldn't go out that night due to my prior obligation of harvesting Tinto berries. This is complete bullshit, by the way. He abandons everybody in every game, and anyone who's friends with Jake <laughs> knows that this is absolutely nothing to do with whatever he blames it on here. When I did return to the island, things had begun to change. The once peaceful French had ridden into our camp <laughs> on a Tyrannosaurus Rex and waged all-out war in the dead of night. One of our tribesmen, we'll call him Jeff, had a penchant for logging in, borrowing other tribesmen's coveted dinosaurs, getting them summarily killed, Dinosaurs were no longer given names. They were labeled so-and-so's stego and who's-its-what's-its who's triceratops. Tensions were clearly on the rise. This is one of the major issues with Ark. It takes so long to create anything substantial within the game that once you do so, it's difficult not to become wildly paranoid that it will all be taken away. A very parallel theme uh, to the belief in QAnon. Amidst these growing concerns, uh, Moses nonetheless ruled with a stern but fair hand. And it was not long before our tribe became one of the major nations on the server. We had learned how to play by the game's rules now, and the results were increasingly terrifying. I'll never forget standing on a mountain next to Moses, quietly farming for berries and stone. Shit, I'm hungry, he said, his voice completely devoid of passion. <laughs> oh, there, well, there's plenty of food back at the base, I replied. I don't eat food anymore, he said. Before before hurling his body off the cliff. <laughs> I just I just kill myself and respawn at the base. <laughs> I felt as if I was witnessing Neo learning to harness the power of the Matrix, and I was scared. But Throbin Williams wasn't. <laughs> 
When he finally came for us, he did so in broad daylight, quietly drifting upriver on a floating fortress. While we had been arguing about who took whose steel pike, Throbin had been building his mobile fortress, biding his time, watching, waiting. We stood on our lookout tower, us few, helpless, as Throbin and his men rode in on a saber-toothed tiger's. <laughs> it wasn't long. This is all real, by the way. This all happened. Should reiterate. It wasn't long before they had breached the outer wall and then our main door, gaining access to our hard-earned inner sanctum. As my screen turned to black, my last vision was one of Moses battling an army by himself on a nearby hillside, noble till the end. That's it, I'm done, his shaky voice echoed into my headset. Another friend chimed in. If only there was a way we could play on our own server. I replied, well, you can, but you need a second Xbox to set up a dedicated server. Surely, no one of sound mind would purchase a second <laughs> gaming console just to accomplish this. The next day, a picture of two Xboxes side by side popped up into our group chat. With renewed vigor, Moses explained to us that as an admin, he was going to be able to, <laughs> to tweak <laughs> to tweak all of the properties on the server. Faster crafting, more forgiving health meters, and most importantly, no throbbing Williams. <laughs> we rushed back to the island immediately. The promise of only artificially intelligent threats brought with it a sense of freedom and comfort. Although our beginnings were humble, the stakes seemed more negotiable, and morale grew high once more. But something was missing. Without the threat of other players, everyone was free to wander off into the wilderness alone. Sure, they could be eaten, but they could always respond they could always respond in the safety of their beds. Moses began constructing a colossal fortress in the freezing mountains, <laughs> only gracing us with his presence every so often, flying in on a giant eagle to cast his imperial gaze upon us. He was amassing a vast well of power, both physical and spiritual. As time went on, we heard less and less from Moses. When he did speak, it was in brief sentences, which mostly pertained to his virtual achievements. Occasionally, a picture would show up in our group chat of a towering brontosaurus, complete with a mobile base atop its back. We were impressed, perhaps even jealous, but life had pulled most of us away from the game for one reason or another. As the amount of time in between my play sessions became greater and greater, its grip began to loosen. Late at night, as I booted up my Xbox to watch something on Netflix, I would often see Moses in my friends list, playing Ark Survival Evolved, alone. I often wondered what he was doing in there. A lonely king atop a barren mountain in total control, an army of eagles spread out before him. <laughs> but a subjectless kingdom is not worth ruling, lest ye aspire to madness. Luckily, Elder Scrolls Online went on sale over the Christmas holiday, <laughs> allowing Moses to abandon the island for good. But on a clear day, if you climb to the highest peak of Ark's massive island, you can still hear the cries of the great eagles and their fearless leader, Moses. Wow. Wow, that was beautiful. So epilogue, epilogue of this story is the the guy who, you know, this was, there was also, um, there was a lot of substance abuse problems that were happening during this time as well. Oh, God. And the the game itself sort of uh, indulged uh, those sort of um, tendencies. But uh, a happy epilogue. I'm pleased to report that Moses is now like two or three years sober. Oh, uh, great. He's like. Like he delete, you know, he deleted Ark, like never played it ever again, and like totally like changed his life and like turned it around. But like 
he became unpilled. He became unpilled. Oh, that's such a but, good ending. But, but, we rarely have these kinds of this, endings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, he'll probably never ever hear this, so it doesn't matter. But he's like, do he's doing so well now, and like, but it was so funny. The other, a couple of weeks ago, I was on late, and I saw in my you know friends list, it was like Moses is like playing Ark Survival of All, oh, and I like no. sent him a message, and I was like, <laughs> I sent him a message, and I was like Moses, it's like a bunch of like question marks, and he was just like, just taking a peek. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> you never know, man. That's some sequel shit. That's some after the credits shit. The division. So I want to talk about the most red-pilled game I've ever played in that it both glorifies the police and military while also pretending to criticize the government and the media. So here's the basics of the plot of The Division. On Black Friday, 2015, a viral epidemic transmitted by a virus planted on banknotes sweeps through New York City. The disease, known as the dollar flu, causes widespread chaos and major cities are placed under quarantine. The United States government activates sleeper agents in the population who operate for the Strategic Homeland Division, or simply the Division, to assist emergency responders and National Guardsmen and the Joint Task Force in restoring order. So basically we have death squads being activated during a crisis, but in like a good way, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because they don't have any like graffiti on their jackets. Exactly. They all like wake up their mid 20s in like a kitchen ad kind of thing, kind of home. With like a North Face, North Face puffy jacket. <laughs> their watch is like, bleep, bloop, the Sandinistas uh, are attempting. <laughs> but yeah, so basically, your task to deal with three villain factions. Now, the first is the Cleaners, a gang led by a sanitation worker. And they are kind of Travis Bickle style, uh, wanting to cleanse the city by incinerating people using their flamethrowers. Then the second one is the Rikers. These are convicts previously held on the famous prison island who have banded together to build power. And then finally, there's the Last Man Battalion, which is a private military force gone rogue. So basically, the garbage men, the incarcerated, and uh, Eric Prince's private army. Those are the three totally normal (laughs) groups to think are like the enemies... Uh, in the afterlife. So so Ubisoft in no way resembles QAnon in their ability to identify power and assign blame. One of the worst parts of the game comes during the boss fight uh, against the Rikers. Their leader, Lorraine Barrett, is a woman of color, and she opens by yelling, Just one more dead black body on the pile, right? Just nothing to you. So blind, all of you. And, uh, of course, I remind you, you're trying to kill her. Uh, She says, they say this disease is a tragedy. They say it's the end of the world. The disease is our teacher, teaching the uniforms that they're done, teaching us to rise up. They've taken from us long enough. Now we're taking from them, their houses, their cars, their families, their lives. This is our town. Now is our time. So Hmm. the biggest problem, obviously, here is that Ubisoft has decided to give these lines to a psychopathic murderer that you're being tasked to execute, and the community at large will applaud you for doing so, even though basically it's like kind of BLM adjacent or like Black Panther adjacent. Uh, So placing the incarcerated black population on the same threat level as like Blackwater-style private mercenary groups (laughs) is a very red-pilled thing, in my opinion. 
And also, so is having uh, their leader scream like BLM flavored dialogue before you kill her. Um, and yet I did play the living fuck out of this dumbass game and uh, watched my XP go up and I got all those, uh, ad- you know, all those adrenochrome <laughs> style hits uh, to my brain. Good, good. You killed you killed all of the uh, all of the activists. <laughs> yeah, you, you killed all the garbage men and uh, prisoners. Good, the, all the of our essential workers in our society. All our essential workers yeah, and the, anybody trying to make a difference. Good for you. You know, oddly enough, I love it. I love it. I mean, imagine being like, okay, the obvious one is the mercenaries, Eric Prince, and then you have to choose other factions, and those are where you go: the garbage men and the incarcerated. Like you, fucking piece of shit. Yeah, I don't know. The game, the garbage men are pretty nasty, though. They keep like you know lighting people on fire. They're also they're also the you keep activating the echoes and it replays these horrifying scenes of the cleaners burning people alive. So it, it gets you to hate them pretty effectively. I gotta say, the game does. There's also that is precisely why it's so red pill. It gets you to blame the working class for what is the uh, elite's uh, issue. There was a bug. I don't know if they ever fixed it, but it was basically like a looping piece of dialogue. Like anytime you got into a fight with any of the cleaners, and they would be like, "Hey, man, they got Alex." <laughs> I will correct you, uh, sir. Actually, that was a, a just normal street thugs. Um, but yes, that uh, they had to get rid of it because every single <laughs> street thug fight involved you killing someone called Alex and their friend. <laughs> <laughs> you got Alex! <laughs> and it did become a meme, of course. Crash Bandicoot. All right, so I was going to talk about some serious red build <laughs> games like your Assassin's Creed 2 or your Metal Gear Solid 2, but I thought it was important to bring an Australian perspective to the podcast. So, Crash Bandicoot is extremely red pilled. Hear me out. Crash is, he's a peaceful bandicoot. He becomes the victim of Dr. Neocortex, who uses a device called the Evolver Ray to mutate various Mm -hmm. Australian animals living in this Australian mystery archipelago, creating these disgusting, Mm -hmm. you know, Cronenberg-style creatures like Ripperoo and Koala Kong, (laughs) who's this giant jacked koala. (laughs) Ripperoo. Ripperoo. Lots of these. Love it. Um, So Cortex intends Crash to be the leader of his growing army of military animal soldiers, but Crash manages to escape. Uh, He resolves to defeat Cortex. He goes to Insanity Island at the end of the game where Cortex's assistant, Nitrous Brio, he uses the chemicals to mutate himself into a monster. It's somewhat of his own adrenochrome, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) And then in Crash Bandicoot 2, this is the entire plot of the whole game. There's not much more to it. Um, In Crash Bandicoot 2, Cortex manipulates Crash into collecting crystals for him. He convinces him that he's getting these crystals to save the world, but actually they're to power his Cortex Vortex space station, which is going to be used to brainwash everyone on Earth into serving in his powerful army. Wait, wait, so Crash is like uh, Ghislaine Maxwell, the innocent Mm. uh, who just collects? Mm, Exactly. Just collects the crystal. It's just collecting the crystals. Yeah, of a certain age. Yes. So uh, so obviously much to think about here about the military-industrial complex, power (laughs) that the establishments hold over us, brainwashing. Yeah. Mm. There's a lot to it. Mm -hmm. You just want to show off that Australia made a video game. I don't even know if we made it, to be honest. I'm not sure where Naughty Dog is based, but uh. also, um, Ripper Ripperoo is like uh, is like a manic is like a manic kangaroo that's like uh yeah, basically like jacket, yeah, whose like outfit man. is like a straight jacket oh, really? essentially, and like bloodshot oh, yeah. eyes, like just like you know foaming at the mouth, like mm. like Tigger on PCP. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 
Tigger's, I love it. Tigger's not a kangaroo, though. I think he's a tiger. No, I know they're different animals. I'm just saying, like, you know, a personality. You're saying, type. like, like vibe? In a cartoon. <laughs> like, cartoon yes, animal vibe. vibe? For God's sake, what's wrong with your brain? Are you no longer able to process complex uh, uh, no. thoughts now? What's No. God damn it, Jake. Dude, all I can process is, like, 2K stats. <laughs> <laughs> what are they, by the way? How's that going? I don't know, but I got a message from somebody. Yes, I like I did a whole new build, a, a whole new thing where you basically like essentially start <laughs> over because my my other build was like fundamentally flawed because uh-huh. I don't actually understand the game of basketball. Like I just like want to like huck threes mm-hmm. from the three point line, and so the character that I built like just wasn't designed to do that. So I had to rebuild it, uh-huh. put all this time, dude. I got a message yesterday. Some guy said, and I th- I I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but he said something like, "You are extra trash, my guy." Uh, you. You should delete the game. <laughs> <laughs> and you're still your your player still is uh, Kanye West, right? Yeah, still. Yeah, he still looks exactly like Kanye. So that for all I know, that guy had the balls to message Kanye and say something that uh, antagonistic. So. I hate it when they pick on celebrities like that. Mm-hmm. So before we go, Lucy, you have a, a Twitter, right? It's Lucy X I V, right? That's right. Yes. And I you also happen to have a podcast, right? Mm, I do. I love the way that uh, you guys say it in your accents. Bunta Vista. Go on, Bunta Vista. How is it? Bunta Vista. How is it? How are you supposed to say it? I would say Bunta Vista. Apparently, Bunta is a slang word from uh, north of Australia in Queensland, which I am completely unfamiliar with, but that's just what we're called. You're towing the line for a shadowy power that, like, mm-hmm. yeah, decided on this name. And you just have to mm. say, oh, yeah. Yes, Andrew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow, you're revealing his name. That's right. Why not his last name and address, too? <laughs> I revealed his name. Stuff. No, come on, Julian. This isn't Dylan's <laughs> podcast. So you can obviously go download. Uh, Buenta Vista. Yes, it's on the podcasting apps or wherever you find podcasts. I wouldn't know because uh, listening to podcasts is a degenerate activity, but... If it's what you're into. Agreed. Yeah, you don't listen, of course no. not. Yeah, you just you just spit you just spit rhymes, you don't <laughs> listen to the music. That's that's right. <laughs> yeah. They're great. Uh do they cover Australia and the United States politics, obviously, uh some left leaning politics. And I also really like your rhythm. You you have you have a bit of a codeine vibe, you know, and it's calming to me. It's soothing. Mm. I listen to your podcast. I've heard it's very slow. Oh, it's slow enough for me to support you on Patreon. That's how slow it is. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the QAnon Anonymous podcast. Please go to patreon.com slash QAnon Anonymous and subscribe for five bucks a month to get a whole second episode every week, plus access to our entire archive of premium episodes. There are 70 of them currently. When you subscribe, you help us stay advertising free and editorially independent. Join us on Twitch where we stream episode premieres, curated story nights with Jake and Julian, and we've even started doing kind of live rabbit hole uh, diving, yes. and uh, it's lots of weirdness is going to yes, happen. It's our- Twitch.tv slash QAnon Anonymous. Our two faces and a web browser, a blank web browser. What could be better? <laughs> what could go wrong? For everything else, we have QAnonAnonymous.com where you'll find a link to get merch and a bunch of free shit like access to our Discord community, our lost episodes, and even music from our soundtrack. Listener, until next week, may the deep dish bless you and keep you. It's not a conspiracy. It's fact. And now, today's auto cue. This message is from Long Beach, California, to President Trump and fellow patriots. 
I pray God's blessing and protection over you as we move forward, spreading light from darkness to light. May God's peace and blessings be with you. Where we go one, we go all. Give Christ all glory. Happy Easter. Happy Easter.